And welcome along to this week's RTE Rugby Podcast, episode six of the new season of the BKT United Rugby Championship. We've got Bernard Jackman and Ian Keatley with us this afternoon, and we've got plenty to get through because yesterday Ireland head coach Andy Farrell named his 37-man squad for the uh, uh, Bank of Ireland Autumn Nations Games against South Africa, Fiji and Australia. We'll also talk through this weekend's URC Games the big one obviously being Leinster against Munster this Saturday evening at the Aviva Stadium. 5.15 kickoff, that's live on RT2 and RT Player and live radio coverage as well on RT Radio 1. But also at the same time that evening, Sharks taking on Ulster. That looks like being a brilliant match, particularly with the Sharks team that they've named this morning. We'll let you know that later on. And also then Friday evening, kicking things off in the URC this weekend. It's Connacht looking for their second win of the season. They are up against the Scarlets at the sports ground. First, though, we'll concentrate on all things Ireland, because, as I said, Andy Farrell named his uh, 37-man squad yesterday for those games next month. Uh, I won't run through the entire squad. You can see that on rte.ie, but I suppose the the big absentees, James Lowe, Ian Henderson and Andrew Conway, none of whom have played yet this season due to injury. They've all been left out of the squad, understandably. Keith Earls also not involved as well. He's been injured the last few weeks, although he did play the first couple of first couple of games of the season for Munster, but he's been out since then. Uh, and some notable inclusions: Kieran Frawley named as an out half on the squad. Interestingly enough, Hugo Keenan, who's been out all season, he is involved in the thirty-seven man squad. While Stuart McCluskey, Calvin Nash for his uh, first Irish call up, Jacob Stockdale back as well, and Jeremy Lockman, some of the the fringe players involved in the squad. So, uh. Berners, Ian Keatley, thanks a million for uh, for joining me. I suppose to get straight in with the the Irish squad, Bur- uh, Birch. Any any surprises about who was included or who wasn't included? First up, no. Look, obviously, given the fact that Ireland are going to November um, in a really good place, it was always going to be um, a pretty you know much a tried and tre- tested team. I think we're seeing guys um, come in who've shown up well. So Calvin Nash, you know, Jimmy O'Brien. Um, our, you know, Prendergast obviously had had done well in New Zealand and, and did well on the Emerging Ireland Tour. Um, David Heffernan has been good for Connacht. Um, you know, and with King Kelleher out, I suppose he was a, a natural choice to come back in. Um, Nick Timoney's been really good. For, he's only got two caps, but he's been really good for Ulster. Um, and I think it's nice to see that Ireland A panel. I think I'm a big believer big believer in 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 trying to get extra games in um in november because we such we such depth um i think it's important and, and guys the players we're seeing there like baron tom ahern um you know james hume uh, young players and then you have guys like david kakoyan obviously who's nearly got 50 caps and and martin moore's only got 10 caps but is 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 is, is probably towards the end of his career but is someone i think that could make a late push um, for the World Cup and it's good I, I thought Farrell had no faith in him mm. um, but uh, I think it's it's nice to see his his form for, for Ulster be rewarded with um, a place even though it's not in the, in the senior squad but with that A group Anyone in there that you're particularly happy to see get a get a call in there Ian? Uh, obviously from a Munster perspective like seeing Calvin Ash I actually was coaching him when um, he first started off in Cookies um, and you wouldn't say he's an out-and-out starter for, for, for Munster. So to see him uh, getting in there, it's a little bit of a surprise, but I'm delighted for him. But I think that just shows the effect of that, uh, what that Emerging Ireland Tour. Everyone was wondering what, is, what are the positives of that Emerging Ireland Tour going to be, uh, the, the effects that it had on, obviously, a few of the provincial sides, especially probably Munster probably got hit the, the hardest with it. 
but I think we can see the fruits of it now. The likes of Jack Crowley, uh, Calvin Nash, those guys, they've been looked at. Uh, sorry, Shane Daly as well. They've been looked at by the Irish coaches and they said, okay, these guys have something where they probably haven't shown it with Munster, but they, they can show it on the Irish scene. So I think it's great to see that those type of boys um, included in the squad. Yeah, on, on Nash specifically, Birch, like he, he's kind of been unlucky. He was one of those, like he's, he's the only one of that those six uncapped players who haven't been involved in a squad before. So it's probably better to shine the light on him. But he has been unfortunate in the last couple of years. I look back to the start of last season where he, he started the campaign really well. And I remember that game away to the Scarlets, that, that one game early on, pretty much this time last year, where Munster just looked absolutely red hot that day. And he in particular was playing quite well picked up a really unfortunate injury which kept him out until January and by that point the season had become so disjointed with, with games cancelled it was tough for him to get a run in and even there last week you know he put in a really really good first half against the Bulls and picked up that ankle injury right before half time which I suppose thankfully doesn't seem like it's like it's too bad but he's he's a player who hasn't really got a, a proper run and, and as much of it down to just niggling injuries along the way. Yeah, he's been really lucky, and I, I feared. I, I was very impressed with him, and in, in, in the time he had the other night, and I have in fairness, every time I see him, I, I like him. But I was worried that ankle injury would have been enough to keep him out for November. So it's mm. it's obviously great that the medical reports um, are telling Andy Farrell that he'd be back. Um, it's just you, know, you get players sometimes who for for whatever a couple of seasons just struggle to get that momentum, um, and then if they get one one break in an international um, squad or, or, or match 23 to show what they can do. And then um, I suppose the, the credit that they build in that carries on and they get picked in squads anyway. But for a youngster, a young, younger player like him, um, it's just getting that opportunity. And um, I'm not sure, probably the Fiji match more likely mm. would be the one that he gets a chance to, to shine in. But um, he certainly looks like he has the ability to add um, to the depth that's there. I think we're, we're pretty lucky. I mean, obviously, high-profile guys like Earls and Conway out, but we still have Stockdale coming back in um, who's proven at that level um, and lots of other options as well. James Lowe obviously has that injury as well. So I do think this November, because of injury really, is going to give us a chance. And that A game against the Marys is going to give us a chance, hopefully, to see what's kind of between 30 and 45 in terms of player depth. Yeah, and Keith, I suppose the back three and the the back row in the forwards, they're probably the, the most volatile positions when it comes to those injuries where if you look down at squads over the last few years, the amount of players who have just, who have either gotten their break and got to hold on to the jersey because of someone else's misfortune or on the flip side, guys who have just picked up injuries along the way and haven't been able to get back in because someone else has just kept them out of the team. Exactly, and we're probably getting one of those opportunities now with, with Lowe's injury. Um, there's kind of that's what a lot of people are looking at who's going to fill in that position because obviously Keenan's back he's done I know he's had, had an injury at the start of the season but you still probably favour him to start the 15 jersey um, then you've probably got question marks over the, when you don't have the likes of uh, Conway uh, there who's who's going to fill in that other position you probably look at Hanson he did really well but there's still um, probably Stockdale coming back but I thought Jimmy O'Brien's done really well for, for Leinster and Ireland are using that left foot option as well. So J- Jimmy O'Brien could be stepping in for Lowe's, op- uh, Lowe's left boot there. But And, and then also you've got Balakun who's done really well. There's another opening. So I think that there, there's a few, like obviously I think the centres probably picked themselves. Obviously 9, 10, they probably picked themselves. But there is a really question mark of who's going to fill in that uh, that wing position now that Lowe's out. Yeah, and, and Birch, like it's, 
it's obviously unfortunate that there are those important injuries, like if it, particularly like Lowe and Henderson and Andrew Conway. And I think a lot of us probably would have expected Ireland to be picking a very, very settled team over over this window. So is the, the silver lining of it all potentially that there there's going to have to be a little bit more rotation than there, than there probably would have been otherwise? And maybe 12 months down the line, something could happen. We could be looking back on this November window and go, geez, thank God player X or Y got that little bit of exposure they did in November. Yeah, look, at the, you know, we got cost in the um, the World Cup uh, two World Cups ago where we had a lot of injuries against France and, and you know, the team that played against Argentina just wasn't, um, I suppose, ready to uh, to compete and, and we went out. So uh, I'm sure, you know, Farrell is, is very much aware of that. They have been, you know, he has capped a lot of players. Um, uh, I suppose the thing is to try and get as many players as you can to, you know, over 10 caps um, and, you know, we've seen like Ryan Baird with eight caps, um, etc. But you know, Dan Sheen's got ten caps now. You, you feel pretty comfortable with both of those mm-hmm. if you need him to go play in a in a World Cup quarterfinal. Um, you know, are ready to, to do that. And I suppose November, you look at what England are doing, what France have done with their squads, they have left some big names out, you know. Um and but there's no re- there's no reason that they wouldn't bring them back in for Six Nations and then obviously into a World Cup. So I think this is really the last chance to um, experiment. And we're going, in, as I said, we're going, we're going, we have the opportunity to do it on the back of a very positive summer tour and, and a good Six Nations. So um, it's probably a little bit easier for for, for the Irish coaching team to um, to have a little look. I mean, Jeremy Lockman, you know, for example, you'd expect him to play this. He's on cap. You'd expect him to play this November. Um, and you know Joe McCarthy as well. I think tr- there's been a push to fast track him, um, and I could see him getting some game time, particularly with Henderson out now. Um, it just moves him one place further, higher up in the depth chart. Looking at South Africa specifically, Birch, like the, I still think probably there's a the vast majority of that first fifteen is probably settled enough. Uh, to look at two areas, the kind of second back row area assuming everyone in that squad is fit to play against South Africa in that first match, uh, would you be looking at James Ryan, Tyg Byrne in the second row and pretty much the same back row as we had in New Zealand? Or given the, the physicality of South Africa, would you potentially put Tyg Byrne into the back row and put another second row in beside James Ryan? Yeah, look, I would be tempted to play Tyg Byrne at, um, at six, but... But Oman need to be fair and, and Van der Fleer um, are having big impacts on, on games. And so I, I'd be slow to write them off. And I think I think Ireland have to play, you know, high tempo um, against against the box. Like we, even if we wanted to try and match them par, power and size wise, I think we'd struggle. So I, I would be probably a fan of um, of keeping Ty Byrne and James Ryan in, in the second row with McCarthy possibly playing against Fiji and, and Australia. Um, and then obviously having Treadwell as a, an impact player. I think he's grown into that role, uh, an impact player off the bench. He's a very strong ball carrier. Um, and then it's just a case of whether, you know, obviously Conan, Conan got a, an eye injury um, in, in Galway. Um, I think Doris and, and Van der Fleer are nailed on. Mm-hmm. Um, for the back row, and then it's a case of of whether you know you move or whether Conan is in the team um, ahead of Peter Manny for me, and obviously that would that would mean um, Doris moving to eight. But I think it's between those four really to start against South Africa. Um, I think Peter 
Peter obviously gives you that defensive line out uh, threat, which I think is massive against the box because you don't want them to be able to to engage with you on, in, in, with their mall strength. Um, and the best way to stop that's at source. So, um, yeah, I would have probably six seven months ago would have been thinking Peter mightn't make the team in the World Cup, but. Um, I think that he's still incredibly important and obviously had a huge tour um, in New Zealand. Would you go along with that, Keats? Yeah, I was literally just going to say that a South African are a mall dominant team. They pride themselves on a, on a good set piece and there's no better man to disrupt the set piece than, than Pete. Um, he's, just, he's just incredible. He comes up with really big moments, big steals, and then you leave Ty Byrne in the midfield who, who also... Is, is incredible coming up with big moments and big steals. So I think that both of them do, and I completely agree with Birch a few months ago, I probably wouldn't have thought that, but Pete um, down in New Zealand was was exceptional. And um, it's probably because of the competition of that back row that I think Pete has really stepped up whenever he's played for Ireland. He's he's probably been the main man um, coming up with those big moments. So I, I completely agree with Birch there. I think, I think Pete needs to start to take away their line out take away their maw because you know what you know what's going to come from South Africa. And then back three, Ian. So I just for argument's sake, I'm going to assume Hugo Keenan is fit to play and we would assume start at full back against South Africa. Who would who would you most likely have on the on the two wings if you know Andrew Conway's gone, James Lowe is gone. Is it Mac Hansen and what are the other options there? Rob Balakoon? Yeah, it's either I think I think Hansen probably Deserves that he's he's done really well since he's come in, um, and then it is I think it's between probably Stockdale, Balakoon, and maybe they they might move O'Brien to the to the left wing for that left foot kicking option. But Balakoon's done really well. He he's his defense has improved incredibly well over the last uh, year year and a half, and he's got wheels. And Stockdale, he's come back. Um, he he's done really well for Ulster. But still, still trying to find his his pre what was it two thousand and eighteen form for Ireland. Obviously, he's been suffering with injury, but I think that is probably just the one question mark on this team for the starting team. Who um, I don't think people will know who who they're going to start pick there on that left wing. Yeah, and Birch like Stockdale is the really interesting one because I actually remember I'm not sure where you on this particular pod, but right at the very start of the season when Stockdale was coming back, we were talking about him and how it's a big year for him. And the general consensus was he probably just needs to forget about Ireland in the short term and just concentrate and, you know, getting a string of matches together. And look, the way it's all fallen, the injuries have actually gone on the right side from this time. And he's managed to get back into an Ireland squad probably a little bit earlier than he'd expected to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think Hanson definitely will start. It's just who who takes the other wing spot. And, um, you know, is, is Hugo going to be back for, for the first game? Um, if he is, you know, he, he starts a full back, but if he doesn't, then, you know, probably Jimmy O'Brien. And, and as, as Ian said, his left foot is, is really important, but obviously Stockdale, I mean, James Lowe plays left wing and, and, and Ireland use him a huge amount for their exit. So, you know, you, you could have a case where Stockdale's left boot um, and the accuracy and length of that, length more so than accuracy, um, makes him... Uh, you know, an obvious replacement, and and Balakloon then ends up, uh, ends up fighting with with Hansen. So, I, I think a lot of it relies on depends on Keenan. I think if Keenan's available, um, Stockdale's less likely to start against South Africa. Even just aside from the Irish squad, Bursch, like how much are you looking forward to seeing 
Ireland go up against a, a full-blooded South Africa team because the team that came to Dublin five years ago were not a good team. No. <laughs> you know, and even the even the side that beat Ireland in South Africa in that test series the, the summer beforehand, they weren't particularly great. It was a it was an Irish squad that was missing a lot of players. Like you kind of have to go back a long time to have a good Ireland and a good South Africa going up against each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I I can't wait to be honest. I think it's the the perfect opponent for Ireland a year out. I mean, we've we've developed this way of playing now, which is beautiful to watch. You know, two sides of attack, um, a lot of ball movement, a lot of detail around our lines of running, um, asking questions of the defense. But I, until we beat a team who are, you know, set up like the box, um, it's still going to be a concern for me. And, you know, obviously we could run into them in, in, um, in, in France. Uh, France are quite similar in how they play. Um, it was interesting. I was down in Lyon on, uh, on Monday uh, and chatting to the coaches there and, about where they see the game going and they they basically Leon would have been a team who were very open to playing uh, a guy called Kendrick Lynn um who's a Kiwi has has gone from being a, a player there to a coach and would be quite kept that New Zealand philosophy of play 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 and and he's he said to me look at you know we're probably going down the Galtier route which is you know 45 seconds of possession if you're not going forward you know, then you, you give up possession and you go to your kicking game. And, and you know, that's the box, the box all over. Um, and, you know, so I think France and the box are two teams that we're going to have to obviously be able to deal with, uh, hopefully. Um, and uh, I, I think getting that test, test match at home um, to see how we got the game to, to overcome it. If we don't, it's not the end of the world as long as we, I suppose, make sure we have it next time we play them. So, it's a very different type of opposition than Wales, Scotland, you know, Italy, Australia, and New Zealand because they're set up completely differently. And and um, I think it's a perfect game for us. And I'm looking forward to seeing the box. And you know, we're, we're going to talk about the Sharks in a minute and their their strength. Um, and and it's based around the Springboks being back. And I want to see this Irish team play against the world champions with all their box with a good coach in team which they have now, which they didn't have last time. And we played them and, you know, see see how we, we, we match up because, you know, the last test we had was the All Blacks. We overcame that, which is brilliant. Um, but this is a completely different, um, as Eddie O'Sullivan would say, bag of chips. <laughs> Certainly is. And, and even like to go back on what Bert was saying there, like it's Ireland don't get the opportunity to play against this style of rugby too much. It's really just been those France games in the last few years when they've come up against it. And they have struggled in, you know, France are the one side that they haven't been able to get past over the last few years. So it's a, it's a big, it's a big test for themselves 12 months out from when they're going to be playing South Africa as well at the World Cup. Yeah, I think France and South Africa actually are quite similar. They, they've kind of gone more towards the defensive route. They've put really strong coaches or South Africa always put a lot of emphasis on the defensive side. They'll, they'll kick, they'll, they'll build pressure with their big, gigantic men that they have which Ireland have struggled against like as Bert said there against New Zealand I think we were able to take on New Zealand now we don't get we don't get beat up by New Zealand we're able to play around them but South Africa France they have big men they're able to put in place their kicking game and they'll set up their defensive structures and they'll, they'll, they'll come at you while they're, they're littered with players who can just create create magic 
so, some of those South African players like Kobe, um, they they can just create magic, but they, they've got the set defensive structure, they've got the great set piece and they've got all the, the framework to, to win again, like they did um, in the last World Cup. And it will be a tough challenge, but as Bert said, it's going to be interesting to say, it's not, it's not the end of the world if we lose, but I think we need to see a framework put in place how we can actually take on these teams rather than just trying to do the same old way that we beat New Zealand. Like that, it, that way is great against certain teams, but you need to play a different way when you play against this, a team with, who are big men, who are powerful men and who have guys who can just create magic out of nowhere. And how do you go about that then? Like, how do you, if you're, if you're used to playing in a certain way and look, and if you, and if you had a game plan that is beating the All Blacks in a test series, it's, I imagine it's very hard to remove yourself from that and say, well, what we did there in the summer yeah. in that unbelievable test series when we had, that's probably not going to work this time around. Listen, if I had those answers, I'd probably be <laughs> coaching at a, at a higher level then. But I do think to beat them, if, if they're going to put a kicking game and a defensive game, you, you really have to beat them at the kicking game. You can't give them opportunities to, to track you inside your half and you start running it from deep and trying to take them on. If you get caught there, they'll, they'll get their big men over the ball, they'll get penalties, they'll kick to the corner, they'll maul you and they'll just... It's, it's like a slow death is, is the way they, they try. They try and drain your energy. They try and live on big moments. So you just can't, you can't get roped into, okay, they're kicking us. Let's run everything. You actually, and it might sound boring, but you need to keep beating them at that kicking game. You need to, to make them make the mistakes because if they win their penalties inside your half, you know it's either going to be three, six, nine, and they'll keep the pressure on and they won't make many mistakes or they'll kick to the corner. They'll maul you. They'll take the energy out of your legs. And then when the energy's out of your legs, they'll, they'll go at you. And then they'll have their, their guys who can sidestep you in, in the sixpence running against your forwards who have been, their legs have been drained. And, and that's, that's, that's the way to do it. That's learning from Razzie. That's the way he plays the games. He, he will just make no mistakes, power, uh, and then grind you down take your energy out and then they'll give it to the, to the fast man who'll cre create magic. They don't do anything special. You, you, you can't, like, they don't play any different systems to anyone else. It's just pace and power. It's just nailing the, nailing the basics, Birch, is it? Yeah, nailing the basics, but with, with the tools that a lot of people um, or a lot of teams don't have, like just the depth they have in the front five, like sometimes they arguably start their best front row on the bench. Mm. Uh, but the one that starts would probably possibly start for most other teams um, in terms of lock and back row, you know, number eight even. Um, you know, like the talent they have between Vermeulen, Bruce, you know, Katsia. Um, it's just it's just phenomenal. And yeah, they, they probably have, I think probably in terms of depth, um, they have the best depth and I think they've obviously profited from the fact that they've allowed their foreign player or their sorry their internet their superstars to leave to go to Japan for some bad eagles to go and play in in France you know like the Ches and Kobe and Faf the clerk went to sale etc but still have them available but when they were away or when they were gone on contracts abroad you know other players um you know found their found their feet so they've got phenomenal depth and obviously playing in the URC now they're much more the guys who aren't playing in France or or, or the UK. It looks like 
for me, you know, Razzie's back from his ban now, and I know he's not officially the head coach, but I mean, Keats would would, would know this very well. I mean, himself and Jack Nienabar are, are very tight and very very similar philosophy. Obviously, Felix is is doing great work in there as well. Um, so they're they're probably at the most cohesion um, of any team going into this World Cup, and and, and I think they're, you know, they're they're, they're right. they should be favourites really. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll park the Irish chat for now because I am looking at the clock and we do have to get through a couple of big uh, big games in the URC uh, this weekend as well. Moving on to Leinster and Munster this Saturday, five fifteen kickoff at the Aviva Stadium. It's Keith, I suppose it's it's a hard enough game to to figure out at the moment simply because of the injury list both teams have at the moment. We really haven't a clue what way people are going to be lining out on on Saturday evening. Looking at Munster's injury list on, on Tuesday, it's funny, after the game on Saturday, I was leaving Thoman Park and even after Jeremy Lockman scored his try, I remember thinking, God, geez, the, the small little bits of luck maybe are actually falling Munster's way, you know, with the, with the way that try manifests itself. But then you see the injury list on Tuesday and you go, oh, that's, it's not looking good. You know, you've Tyg Byrne getting a scan, Edwin Adogbo going off, you have uh, Salanoa going through the return to play protocols and there was a list of, an even longer list to go along with it as well. And Leinster at the same time then have, have had a handful of injuries this week as well. Like Will Connors and Ronan Kelleher ruled out for even longer and a few more players on the sideline. Going on on what we've seen of the of the teams over the last few weeks, is there is there any part of you that can see a, a Munster win this Saturday? Um, I think winning on the weekend obviously gave them a lot of confidence. Um, a bit like what we're talking about there with Ireland and South Africa. I don't think winning is the most important thing for Munster this weekend and I know that sounds funny to say but I just think and they need to back up the performance from the weekend with another good performance um, even with even with the injury count I, I still think obviously Lencer are probably always the favourites at the moment for the last couple of years anyway but I honestly think that a performance is needed a backup a back-to-back performance is needed for Munster on the, this weekend rather than rather than a win um I know that sounds it does, sounds a bit defeatist but I just think they haven't beat them they haven't beat Leinster in since 2015 is it up there in the Aviva I know they won last year it was 14 uh, at the Aviva you, you should know that you should know that, Keith. It, it was a load of question. I, I <laughs> <laughs> your uh, your intercept try that day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a load of question. I knew we, that was the last time we went up there. So, um, but as I said, I don't. I think it sounds quite defeatist, but they, they just need a good performance. They need to back it up what they did against the Bulls, and uh, I think that will instill a lot of confidence in this group with the injuries. And there is, as I said, there is there is injuries, and they have to come back. And I think that's just going to strengthen the squad. So if this squad can do an, another, put in another great performance like they did against the Bulls, I think that would be the best thing uh, for Munster, not, not necessarily the win. Virgin, a situation like that is is coming out of Dublin with a, like, I know it's it's jarring to actually to say it in the week of a Leinster-Munster match, but is like Munster coming away from Dublin with a losing bonus point, having played pretty well, is that is that something you can take away from the game? Or is it like... Obviously, a defeat. It still leaves them in a lot of trouble in the table. Yeah, but look, I think I think what I, I think they need to get a better performance. Like in my mind, the last performance um, in the Viva Munster Leinster against the second, third string Leinster team, mm. 
and it was a it was it was a bit of a walkover. Um, that was so a pretty I, that was a pretty sobering evening for them. Yeah, it was. It was bad. And look, if that happened again, I think it would set them back massively. I, I think they could win this game. I mean, I mean, Ulster Ulster came to the RDS um, last year and on the back of a, a defeat and, and got a, got a win by playing a very um, disciplined game plan uh, to take away to take Leinster out of their of their strides. And the problem for Munster is. Is if they want to evolve their attack, you got to practice it, and I don't necessarily think that's the way to play against Leinster if you want to get a result. Um, I think they're in, would, they're in a real they're like they, they're in a real catch twenty two at the moment, aren't they? Like, which yeah, no, they are, trying, but uh, like uh, trying to work yeah, through I think, performances and yeah, get but they got to find something that's going to win them games. Yeah, week to week, and that's obviously uh, the coaches have identified a transition away, and we saw it last week with with Joey um, with Joey back at. At ten, there was a lot better, uh, a lot more eagerness to get the ball to fifteen meter challenge. Sometimes they're passing, let them down, but because the Bulls gave them time, the ball hit the ground, they picked it up, and you know they often kicked it again in the edge, but that, that got them territory. So I thought it was you could see it last week what they want to do. It wasn't perfect, but it was a massive improvement on where it had been the week before. In my mind, I I, I wonder how reliable that form is. I mean, the Bulls, um. I met Arno Boda, um, who played for Munster. I met him at the airport. He, he came over for the weekend. Obviously, he played for Munster and the Bulls. And, um, he had friends at both camps, and he, he came over for the weekend. And he, he now plays in Leon. And I just bumped into him and chatted to him, and he was shocked at how poor the Bulls were. You know, and I think it was great to see Munster get the bonus point. It was great to see them, you know, play with um, a bit more ambition. But you have to wonder what is that form relative, you know, relevant, you know, um, and it'll, look, if it isn't, um, they'll get exposed this weekend. Uh, but I think from Munster's point of view, it'll settle them down it'll give them confidence. Um, and there's some good young talent starting to, starting to get more game time. Um, and obviously they want to play more, but I just think Leinster's defense, you know, okay. It was bad against the Sharks, but um, they are, they, they'll be, They'll be looking to shut that down. They'll be to shut it down this week, catch Munster behind the game gain line. Um, but yeah, it's just probably the pain the Munster have got to go through. I think if you get a good performance, um, it'll actually set them up nicely for Ulster, which is really the most winning game, Ulster at home. Um, if they get anything out of this game, I think it'd be a, a bonus. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Like I want Munster to be back being up there with Connor Leinster, Connor Leinster, um, you know, pushing for trophies. So uh, and I believe in the coaches. I just think they need a bit of time, um, and they need they need some of those youngsters to come through quickly. It's funny we're, you're talking there, Bert, about Munster's like uh, attacking game, and it needs time. They actually kind of went back to they moved the ball to the edges on on the weekend. But what got them well, two of their yeah. tries was kicking on the edge. So That's like right. there is like everyone talks about all oh, playing attack, 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 keeping the ball in hand, but. If it's not the right thing to do to keep the ball in hand, you have to kick it. And as I said there, they got two of their tries just from playing the ball off the edge. They came back down the edge and they kicked in behind, put pressure, caught the balls over, over their own try line. It was a five-meter scrum, which one try came from. And then the other try was Joey making a little break down the edge, but then kicking in behind. And that's how they forced an error and Jeremy Lockman scored. So we, we really need to, like, I think they have been focused on the, the last few weeks of keeping the ball in hand, getting their attack going. It just looked like on the weekend, it was like, okay, well, if it's not on to run, let's put the pressure on in other ways. And that was through the kicking game. And I felt they did that on the weekend. So if they can get that balance of 
kicking, but also keeping the ball in hand and tacking to the space, then I, I think we, we can see Munster's um, attacking game evolve a bit more. But you, you have to kick to, to get space. You have to kick to get kicks back to get your counter-attack going. It, it can't always just be in the hand. And I think when Munster start developing that, which I felt they did a little bit on the weekend, I think that's when you will see their more space opening uh, through front balls and through handling rather than kicking. Yeah, and what we saw, the, the, the obviously you spoke about those two tries, but we saw Munster um, being very good five yards out again. And so again, like play to your strengths. If you if you can score tries through um, ground and pound, um, absolutely. Like Leinster kicked the ball a lot as well. Like they, they, they're all about uh, kicking on the edge and, and getting that field position. So I, I don't think Munster, I think that has to be part of their tra- um, the transformation is is to be able to find space, as you say, Keats. And, and it was good to see it. And it was even some of the forwards kicking on the edge last week, but it was a good press as well and a good kick chase and mm-hmm. good discipline not to let the Bulls escape those positions easily. So, um, yeah, I think uh, they'll go into it with a, a much more positive frame of mind. Hopefully you get a good crowd and, you know, a, a, a really good game. Two of, our, two of our derbies have been ruined by weather. You know, Connacht mm-hmm. Munster, sorry, Connacht Leinster and Leinster Ulster it was very, very difficult to play. So if we can get a, a bit better weather um, and we see both teams go at each other. On the on Leinster and that last game against Connacht, is there, I'm, I'm trying to figure out like what would be the, the main thoughts of in the Leinster camp this week? Is there is there a frustration at, uh, at the way that last week's game against Connacht panned out or would there be a bit of reassurance that they've shown over the last few weeks they can win matches in a variety of ways? Like the, a complete shootout against the Sharks, followed by an arm wrestle against against Connacht. You're talking 13 tries and 88 points in the Sharks game, and what 10 nil against Connacht. Like, is there a reassurance there that they can adapt to the various conditions and they can play whatever way the game requires? Yeah, that's what I kind of that's what I would be taking from it. If I was the coach, I'd be I'd be um, reiterating that message. Okay, look, lads, we can do it this way, but also we can get we can get down dirty and do it this way. Um, I was at I was at the Connacht Leinster match. I know you could see early on that when the weather started to come down, the rain started to come down. It was a bit of a sideways rain with the wind that they were trying to play, and defenses the defense was getting on top. And then you could see, clearly see that okay, we need to start kicking the ball away. It was actually a disadvantage to to have the ball that night. So I think I think it's really good for for Leinster to know that yep, as I said, they they can score a lot of tries against the Sharks. Um, but also they can they can change and what the most probably pleasing thing about that kind of match is they they kept them to zero. You don't see that um, anymore nowadays. A team to zero and Connacht definitely had chances. They had ten lineouts I think in the in the Leinster twenty two, which which they they coughed up whether through bad throwing or bad lifting or what the other reasons why hookers don't win lineouts. It's, it's never the hookers' fault, but. Um, so it, it, I think I'd be taking a lot of positives. I was the Leinster coach. I'd be saying, listen, we can, we can do it different ways now. And then just on to move it on to, to Connacht Birch, like I, I, I saw someone corrected a tweet that we had put out talking about a must win game for, for some team earlier in the week saying, well, isn't every game a must win? And yeah, technically that's true. But if you're talking about Connacht and the Scarlets this weekend, like, We've given them plenty of excuses over the last few weeks with the really, really difficult uh, start they've had. But these are the games now against Scarlet at home on a Friday night. 
that they really, really have to back up and put in a result. Yeah, absolutely. This, this is this is absolutely crucial for them. We've been forgiving of them because of the, the tough fixtures. Um, they got the the home game against Munster. They got the result there. Um, obviously lost to, to Leinster, but this is massive. I think Scarlets have been um, very inconsistent, quite poor, and you you know I think I like the way Connacht have have seen seem to have improved the areas that were weak uh, last year. Um, their scrum now is winning penalties. Uh, last year it was giving up penalties um, and their line of defence was was excellent, really, really good and and, and um, I, I took apart Munster and Leinster uh, at, at source there, which is positive. Um, their line of mall isn't perfect, but we saw against Munster um, for the Beelham try when, when they get it right, um, you know, they have the... Um, I don't think they have the size and power, but they have the connections uh, and and work rate to to do damage, and, and particularly against you know, the Scarlets. I mean, they can take the Scarlets on up front. Mm. Um, I think it's a it's a must win, and, and I think it should be a five pointer to be honest. As long as they get a little bit of luck with 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 the weather, um, I think Scarlets are defensively porous. They haven't shorn up that area that was a weakness from last year, and I think Connor need to hit their attacking straps as well. Um, I think they've tightened up defensively, tightened up set piece, but that's only going to be useful if if they get back to their attacking flair. You know that made them quite difficult to stop, and that hasn't happened yet. Various reasons why, but um, yeah, I, I think this is a is a, win, a game that Connor should be looking to get five points out of. Keith, you're not nodding along there as well. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, a bit of a contradiction to the the monster. The monster need a performance, but actually. Connacht need a win. Yeah, uh, they need the results more than the performance, really, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Like they, they just, they just need to win. I, I do think it is they are capable of getting the five, a five point against Scarlets with the Scarlets form, especially Scarlets away form at the moment. So it's definitely a must win for Connacht at, at least. And then if they want to start pushing up the the scoreboard, they need they need the bonus point because you can't you can't win anything this at this time of the year but you can certainly put yourself out of contention for a lot of things if you don't get the results before christmas and they still have another few tough tests before christmas i think they have another four four interros before the new in uh, before the new year so all these matches yeah they need to win yeah that game is at 7:35 on friday evening the other game we didn't talk about so far and we'll touch on it now sharks against ulster on friday evening it's frustrating burst that's a kicking off at the same time as Leinster and Munster yeah. with Aviva because I know Ulster haven't named their team they won't be until tomorrow but the Sharks put theirs out earlier this morning and just looking at it now I mean Oxenshade Bongi Banambi, Thomas Dutoit's there Eben Etzebeck Khaleesi Jaden Hendricks uh, Maxoli Mapimpi uh, Apoleta Fassi and then even just younger exciting guys like uh, Vincent Chichuca and Pepsi Butelezi it's an absolutely stacked team and I've no doubt that Ulster are going to be putting out a pretty strong side as well themselves like it, it has all the makings for an absolute belter of a game. Yeah, I think these are the two best games. Unfortunately, they, they clash Ulster Sharks, Leinster Munster. Um, this is what we've been waiting for with with the, with the Sharks. Obviously, they brought on some of those big names off the bench last week and demolished Glasgow. Um, really impressive, and um, you know the investment that's gone into this team um, in terms of talent. Um, you know, it, it was strong last year, and obviously they were disappointed to slip up to the um, to the Bulls in the quarterfinal. But um, you know, their ownership team, their fans expect them to be the best team in uh, in South Africa. And on paper, 
Um, they certainly look to have all, all the tools. So it's a huge challenge for Ulster. Um, I'm excited to see if Ulster can stand up to it. I mean, uh, Ulster being pretty good this year. Obviously, the only blot in their copybook was that Leinster game, which, in fairness, you know, they chased hard at the end and, and came back into it. Um, but obviously, given Leinster too much of a head start, shipped a lot of points against the Lions and shipped a lot of points away to the Scarlets. So I do think um, while their attacking game is looking even better than it was, defensively, they may still be missing Jared Payne, um, who's had a big impact in, in Claremont, actually. Um, reports of France are very strong about him and, and the influence he's had there. So, yeah, I'm fascinated to see if Ulster can can stay stay with the Sharks, uh, particularly up front, because that's um, that's that Sharks scrum is 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 very um, it's very powerful. Is there any element of a little bit of a, like pressure off ever so slightly on Ulster since they have picked up a win last week, Ian? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that that win uh, last week, I think it's their first win in, on Sarafran soil, was it or? Certainly in, the, certainly in the URC. The URC, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's a massive uh, confidence boost. But as I said, that was against the Lions, who, who, have, who have played pretty well this season. They've been a bit of a shock um, to, to everyone this year that they've, they've, they've started well. Um, but I think this will be their, the Ulster's real test to see how far... Okay, yeah, they did well against Ulster or Leinster, but Leinster were, were too strong for them. I think, as Bert said there, their attacking game has come come on quite a lot and I actually enjoy watching them play and uh, they have shit points now but I think this will be their first real test to play the Sharks away from home let's really see where this Ulster team is out I think because if I think they can beat the Sharks over there I think they're 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 pretty good contenders in in Europe and uh, obviously for the URC because as I said their attacking team their attacking side is is pretty good let's see let's see what they can do against the Sharks because if, if they go well I think that will give that whole group a lot of confidence. Yeah, like they've had a few false dawns in the last few years, Birch, but just finally on it, like if they were to pick up a win away against the Sharks this weekend, is that a proper statement? Yeah, I think it would be. I think it would be massive. And, and McFarland's going to look for those during the year. You know, there's the run-the-mill games where they ha- you know, they're expected to win and they, they more than likely win. I think they'll, they'll have a very high win percentage. Um, but there's certain games he'll he'll see say, saying, look, this is going to be a a litmus test in terms of how we moved on. Are we going to be ready to to win a knockout rugby? And I think given the team the Sharks have picked, this is one of them. Yeah, certainly is. And that's uh, that's where we'll leave it, guys. Thanks a million for joining us. As I say, Leinster against Munster is the live game on RT2 and RT player this Saturday, 5.15 kickoff, build up underway from 4.30. And there's also live commentary on RT Radio 1 of that game as well at the Aviva Stadium. Birch and Im Keatley, Thanks a million for joining us and uh, we'll speak to you again next week on the RT Rugby Podcast. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.